0: now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, I want to review again and show you, expose to you, basically an open secret. This secret has not been really secret. It's only secret to those people whose eyes are wide open, but they cannot see. And that's the overwhelming majority of the American public. And tragically, it is the overwhelming majority of what is called the Christian, evangelical, Christian, Bible-believing community. How is it that you can claim to be a follower of the truth? How is it that you can claim to have the Holy Spirit live inside you, which is the spirit of truth, and be perpetually dumbed down? Explain it to me, because I don't get it. And I've been researching this for over 40 years. It's my lifelong quest that began in third grade when I read Brave New World, raised in an atheistic, agnostic, no, excuse me, atheistic, existentialist, transhumanist home. And I remember uh, I was very prejudiced against Christians and Christianity. I was taught that Christianity was a religion for losers. And uh, then, when I was majoring in, a dual major in filmmaking and altered states of consciousness at the University of Missouri, Uh, I experienced, for now, let's just call it a a miraculous event that radically transformed my life forever. I write about it in my books, and I write about it especially in *Hour from On High. But one thing I swore to myself was that as I progressed uh, in—because I had a revolutionary transformation from atheism and the New Age and the occult— into uh, biblical Christianity. So when I made that transformation, I swore to myself that in the future, now we're going back decades, when I had this miraculous transformation, but I I swore to myself just like I swore to myself when I was a very very young boy in an atheist household, I swore to myself repeatedly and I this is probably first grader younger, most likely younger. I swore to myself that I was going to find out the answer to life's most important questions, which were, why was I alive? What is my purpose in life? And what am I doing here on planet Earth? And that was my goal, because I decided at the youngest of ages that if I didn't know the answer to the preliminary, basic, foundational question of life, then pursuing any given career would be ridiculous. And I was dead serious. But as decades went by, and I had a miraculous encounter with Christ, I swore that I would that if the day ever came where I would encounter mythologies encounter fairy tales encounter uh crazy stuff cult like stuff if the day ever came in my relationship with Christ where I would be called upon to to enter the land of non-truth and illusions I swore to myself just like I swore to myself when I was First grade or younger, about finding the answer to life's most important questions, I swore to myself that I would pull back, leave this Christian thing. Because if the Christian thing ever proved not to be true, I swore to myself that I would leave it, no matter how compelling the emotional feelings or whatever. Now, fortunately, in all those decades, I've never run into a situation where. I have been successfully seduced by apostasy or the lie or the illusion, etc. What I have encountered, and there has been a severe trial, is the massive disconnect between biblical truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the God of the Bible, but the massive disconnect between that and what could be called the religion of Christianity or the Christian religion institutionalized religion. And that has been the greatest trial for me, because if you look at the evidence, and there should be evidence coming from the culture of biblical evangelical Christianity, if that is truly valid, then there must be evidence coming from that community that supports uh, its claim to know the God of the Bible, that supports its claim to Have a unique understanding of the interpretation of the Bible. And yet, we all know that that is not true. And I would say the majority of times in my ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries, Paradise Mountain Church International, the majority of times when we're reaching people who are alienated and have rejected Christianity or the God of the Bible, inevitably, the people we encounter are not rejecting biblical Christianity. They're not rejecting the Bible. Inevitably, they are rejecting the institutionalized, man-made clone called evangelical Christianity or Bible-believing Christianity, which it must be stressed to the highest degree of importance. That is not the same. That is not, they, Those two things are not on parallel tracks. There was a time in America when I was first saved. There was a time in America when to a significant degree, you could go into uh, uh, a Bible-believing evangelical Christian church, and whatever its problems were, and everything has problems. So that I don't, I don't make a judgment based on the the absence of problems or or the uh, uh, fact that problems be resolved or anything like that, because problems are part of this fallen world. But. Um, Decades ago, when I was first saved, you could walk into, just in any city in America, you could walk into what was called a Bible-believing church, and despite all of their imperfections, you could count on the fact that in the basic areas of theological truth and biblical truth, not not necessarily in every area, not necessarily in every doctrine uh, would there be harmony, but in the basic areas, like salvation by faith, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the the need to be born again by faith in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, and so on and so forth. All these basic doctrines were essentially intact, and however uh, fallen the evangelical Christian church was, uh, it still was a powerful proclaimer of truth in this world, and a powerful uh, shining of light in the darkness in this world. Now, Because I demand of myself, and I'm sure you do too, I demand of myself intellectual honesty, scientific honesty, theological honesty, because I have placed that demand on myself. I cannot look the other way and I cannot pretend it isn't happening when it is happening. And so now we've arrived at a totally different time period, you know, the time of the woke generation and all the rest of that stuff. And in that generation, There has been, as the Bible predicted in the last days, a great falling away from the truth, which is known in the Bible as the great apostasy, the great falling away from the truth. And so that does not cause me to reject Christianity or the truth of the biblical God or the truth of the message of salvation by Jesus Christ. That does not bring me to a place of a parting of ways, so to speak. Why? Because the Bible itself gave me the heads up about all of this stuff thousands of years ago in advance in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God Almighty, in the inspired and inerrant Word of God, communicated to me and anybody else who bothers to read His Word that in the last days, and we're in the last days, there will be a great falling away from the truth by Christians by those to be claiming to be followers of Christ. There will be a great following away that will be so bad. It's called the great apostasy, which is part of the great delusion. And all of this is, is the Bible says, is going to happen in the last days. It's happening in America. That's, that's the root of this, you see. That's why we were given a warning and a heads up. And it's going to lead the momentum of the great apostasy, the great delusion, and spiritual counterfeits, etc., is going to lead us to, inevitably, the one-world religion, the, the false prophet who is the head of the one-world religion, who incites people with supernatural power, getting them to worship the Antichrist as God in, in a massive deception. So, that's why, despite the egregious and actually Theological forms of insanity when it comes to, to butchering the Word of God and making it and, and trying to create a theology that is not based on the Holy Spirit or the Word of God, but committing the massive sin that Adam and Eve committed in the Garden of Eden when, when Lucifer tempted them, when he was inhabiting the form of a reptilian being. Uh, that level of sin is being committed by the evangelical church today. As it denies aggressively the Word of God. And, and in the words of the great theologian, a great biblical philosopher, great evangelical thinker, the greatest evangelical thinker, philosopher, the- theologian in the last 150 years, Dr. Francis Schaefer, whose writings and influence and influenced me and impacted me in so many ways because he warned me. You see, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian environment, but I got turned on to books by Dr. Francis Schaeffer while at the University of Missouri, while being a radical in the counterculture. And I remember reading Escape from Reason and his other books. And his books were the most powerful intellectual defense for the credibility, rog- logic, uh, rationale, or biblical truth that I've ever seen in my life. Schaeffer was gifted by God, not only prophetically, but he was gifted by God in his ability to communicate on high theological, philosophical, and cultural levels. And so God used Dr. Francis Schaeffer as a chisel, as a hammer, to sculpt and shape me into a spiritual warrior who's able to contend for the truth as the days get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I thank God for him, because you and I have been deeply prepared for such a time as this. Okay. Now, The basic issue is that the children of this world, and the Bible says that what God is saying in this verse is not that he likes what I'm going to quote you. God is not saying, oh, I like that. He's just saying this is the way it is. So what God says in the word is that uh, for the children of this present generation are wiser in their day and the children of light. So, what that means is that the children of this generation, that means this present generation, this temporary generation that is under the rule of a, a, a New World, a Luciferian New World Order. So, what God is saying is that the children of this temporary generation, Luciferian New World Order, are wiser in their day, the day of apostasy, the day of deception, the day of the Luciferian New World Order. The children of Lucifer. God is saying, unfortunately, God's saying, He's not saying I like it, but this is the way it's playing out because my people refuse to read my word. So the children of this day are often and far often more wise in their generation than the children of light are. What is supposed to be happening is the children of the light, all those that are the true children of God, who study the word of God, who, who interact with Jesus Christ and his word, are supposed to be seeking after knowledge and wisdom and truth and answers. And so the reality should be the actual converse. The reality should be this. This should be the normative Christian reality for every individual Christian and for every individual Christian ministry and church. And if it's not, it's, it's, it's not my fault. Don't come looking to me. I've been talking about this for 50 years for crying out loud. In season and out of season. And you can't point to one season when I haven't been trumpeting this message constantly. And among the totality of that message is unfortunately the children of this generation, God's excuse me, that's Lucifer's crowd. That the children of this world, Lucifer's crowd, are often wiser in their generation, the, the apostasy, the Luciferian generation, than the children of God are. But that's not what God wants. The reason that that's a default position. The reason it's happening is because God's children are disobeying the Lord and not reading and studying the Word of God. So what you have is a total wipeout, a total wipeout in which God's children, through sin against rejecting God's Word, have allowed themselves to be dumbed down by a a real Luciferian elite, not a fictitional Luciferian elite that, that only paranoid crazies believe in. That's the critique from those who do not know, but talk loudly. So don't allow yourself to be branded by Bozo the Clown and his a happy group of actors on a psychedelic bus. Don't allow yourself to be branded by buffoons. They're buffoons because they're idiots parading around as if they, well, the Bible says it very succinctly, professing to be wise men. They are fools, and that's a lot of Christian theology, a lot of churches' theology. And I don't delight in it, it's just the way it is. So you have this this omnipresent, dumbing-down, of Christians, not only theologically, but they're dumbed down in their ability to comprehend reality. They're dumbed down in their the level of their understanding of science, technology, futuristic sciences, and technology. And so they can't make decisions. They can't process dichotomies. They can't uh, uh, conduct proper analysis when they see weird and crazy things, because they're inevitably banging against a wall of unbelief and banging against the wall of scientific and technological ignorance. So in their heads only, I'm talking about Christians now and a lot of nonbelievers, but in their heads, what we're saying, what I'm saying in all of my books, what I've said said, by the grace of God, I have been able to say say to countless millions and millions of people all over planet Earth, through magazines, books, video shows, TV shows, and an endless diversity of, of powerful media. God has blessed me, and my whole life story is a story of a guy that doors opened for, and he was able to speak the unvarnished truth. But in reality, those doors should never have opened. God opened the doors. My whole life, my whole ministry, really, in man's terms, and even in the terms of most Christians, should never have happened. Do you understand what that's like to have a life and a ministry? and a legacy which I spend no time whatsoever thinking about, by the way. The only legacy I'm interested in is how many souls I saved for Christ, how many people I loved and was used by God to reach for Jesus Christ. Those people that were touched for Jesus are the only legacy that that I concern myself with and the people that I influence. You know, people are interested in having a ministry named after them and this and that and School named after them, a library named after them. Go for it, man. If that's what you want. I don't care. I'm not going to criticize you. Really, I'm not. But that's not that's not a legacy. That's a dead legacy. That's cement, mortar, you know, contractors, which is fine. But that's not a living legacy. A living legacy is people who are going to spend all of eternity in heaven. Okay. So because of the negligence, the, the Christian culture has allowed themselves and their young people to be scientifically dumbed down. So this is what happens. We continually have, and I've explained why we have these things in my books, forty-six books. In Great Paul McGuire report, at the Paradise Mountain Church meetings, et cetera, et cetera, I have said over and over again that when we have these regularly scheduled chaos events or crisis events, notice how, for 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 the in the same time period that I've been referring to, notice how America and the rest of the world has experienced the steady drumbeat of global and national crisis, crisis events where, where apocalyptic-style crisis events are occurring on a regular and, I believe, orchestrated basis. I just happen to be listening to uh, a local television news channel here in Los Angeles, which I never do, by the way. You have to understand, I never listen to these people because it's like it's like going to nursery school. I can't take it, but I was trying to get visuals and local reporting on the weather because, as you know, and many of you were affected by uh, what most of you, who are regular listeners of the Paul McGuire Report, fully understand. Many of you were regularly affected by geoengineering or uh, weather modification, weather. And those of you who don't know that what that is, well, you have no excuse. You're you're ignorant, and you you can't come before God at the judgment seat of Christ, what are you going to say when God says, I gave you so many gifts, including intelligence and ability, but you insisted, you rebelled against me, the Lord said, and insisted upon being ignorant when I brought person after person, ministry after ministry into your life to help raise your level of knowledge and power. What are you going to say to God? Okay, so the reality is, and I I, I no longer, I mean, I will literally you know, I have to be careful because there's a fine line between sinning, the sin of anger and and you know self-righteous anger, but I don't depending upon the situation, I always count the cost and strategically analyze the situation, but depending upon the situation, I no longer will tolerate anybody perpetuating the total lie, the total disinformation propaganda that there is no such thing as weather modification technology, and there is no such thing as directed energy beam weapons. And that whole package of of statements where, you know, the end goal is to try to shut me down or shut you down or whatever uh, by, by inferring that we're conspiracy theorists, you know, like crazy believers in, what, doomsday or whatever. God, I you know I used to I never laid down and surrendered, but now I draw a line. And depending upon a strategic analysis, I ask myself, would it be effective for me to confront to speak the truth in love, but also in power and to just fire out a few indisputable facts about the history of weather modification technology and Geoengineering technology, which began in the 1940s. So I document all of this in my books, Power from One Eye, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind, History of the World, Conquering the Matrix, Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and Two. You need to get them and have Bible studies on them. You don't have to do every chapter in the book, but you cherry pick the, the chapters. People look, you know, quit hiding. Like like Hansel and Gretel or something. People want to know what, what the answers are. So so we're, I'm looking at the weather map, and somebody in a local channel said this, and I've heard this so many times by a secular, unbelieving media. They were wrapping up their analysis on this totally freakazoid weather that we've had for the last couple of days all over the United States, going down into Mexico, ripping up through L.A., ripping up higher. And uh, we had, we, you know, for those of you that don't live in Southern California and L.A., you face these things all the time. We have not had a, a, a category storm of any consequence since 1939. So that's been how this was the first hurricane level, category level storm. And I watched the weather around because, because we when the early rains came down, they came down hard and they kept coming down hard. But I, they were just making projections and they kept comparing. The potential of, of, I thought it was very ironic that the hurricane's name was Hurricane Hillary. I wonder who came up with that name. Hurricane Hillary. A hurricane packed with hell and filled with destruction. No, too much of a coincidence. Okay, so so uh, I was watching the weather and somebody made the remark, which I've heard so, much, so many times in recent years in the mainstream media. That this storm, the level of the storm, is, is, is has reached biblical proportions or apocalyptic proportions. And nobody bats an eye. It's like an expected thing to say. What they were saying, the secular news media actually addressed the real issue of, of the weather problem more transparently than most Christians and Christian churches, because they acknowledged the role of Bible prophecy and the signs of the times in... What, what was happening, what was playing out all around us. So we were looking at the weather maps and, you know, the different colors depending upon the intensity of the rain and stuff. And uh, the point was we, you know, we didn't know whether we were going to have to move out because where the studio is located uh, and also in a location where I live, this is an area which just about every time you've seen uh, an apocalyptic fire, blaze in Southern California, it, it has been in this area that I'm broadcasting it to you from, and that's for the last I don't know, 25 years at least. It's also the area where, uh, not that far from here, where I used to live uh, was one of the dual epicenters of, of the Northridge earthquake. uh which was you've seen the Northridge earthquake, in fact, where I lived was not all that far, you know the 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 freeways, the high up freeways that like broke apart in half you've seen them. well, I live near there, okay, so the point is that we've never seen this intensity before so so I have seen massive, massive fires, endless acreage over the last twenty five years. Within walking distance of where I am now, I have walked into areas uh, of houses and and seen the fire trucks in the front of the house, in the back of the house. In the back of the house, usually there's just massive dry bush acreage or dry trees, and the fires were raging. On numerous occasions, year after year, these fires were raging, and they would come up right to the backyard, the fenced backyard of people in, in this area. So, I would walk in the backyard, and there would be fire trucks with hoses, and there would be like six firemen uh, t- attached to each house, fending off the fire from moving and engulfing the house. So I was asking myself is, it, is this what's going to happen because they said it was going to increase as the night went on Now, I did something that that I have done often, uh but the lord and some of you i 'm going to tell you this that what I'm about to tell you is, is not some dumb religious cliché. What I'm telling you is that I'm going to share with you something that I do, <clears throat> and I don't apologize for it. Okay. And if you weigh it in the light of biblical truth, it can, could be potentially the greatest blessing, one of the greatest blessings ever released into your life. Okay, and I don't want to get too often on it because there's many trails abundant with truth that I could share, and I don't have time for all of that. But I will say this. I was very, very disturbed by what occurred in Lahaina, Maui. The reason I was very, very disturbed is because I was very, very familiar with that precise location. So when I saw all the locations and the buildings or what was left of the buildings in Lahaina, as well as the, the the strip of road where the restaurants were and you know stores were, and then boat rentals were and stuff, and I had been to Maui many times with my wife and, and kids decades ago, initially, before we had kids, I was doing research uh, on the island of Maui, and you see that picture up on the internet i'll put it up on the social media sites because i'm sailing. i don't own no I don't own the boat. I rented the boat and I'm sailing a a fairly large-sized uh, sailboat, and going up and down the coast of Maui, looking for specific locations which are new-age centers, so to speak. So I, I spent a lot of time in Lahaina and Maui, and it was very, very jarring to see the place incinerated by what looked like a nuclear bomb blast. Now, because I have done so much research in the area of geoengineering and weather modification, and I simplify and digest that research for you in my books, tell you the whole story, and I spread it out in books like Power from On High, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, Conquering the Matrix, and other books that you can get right now at a big discount, and you ought to get them. Well, I was writing one of my my second book when I was first going to Maui. So there is no question to me, looking at the way the buildings run, I don't consider myself an expert. And so let me just say, I'm not an expert. I'm a researcher. So I look at the, the, the evidence, and it's obvious that whatever vaporized all these homes and buildings and streets and stuff, this was not a, a I don't believe it was a storm of any kind. Now that's just my personal belief. I believe that what you were looking at, and we've seen it before, uh, lies in the spectrum of what scientists and technologists have been calling since the early 1940s, because geoengineering research and experimentation began in the early 1940s, and uh, weather modification technology began in the 1940s. So that's how long these, these things have been operational. And remember, there's a whole variety and spectrum of different kinds of weather modification technology and geoengineering. It's not just one technology. There are multiple technologies. So no normal human storm. The heat that was generated in Lahaina Maui was three times the heat experienced in your typical house fire. So that's three times hotter. Okay. Um. In, in In other cases, you didn't see traditional evidence of burning. you saw some kind of like it was hit like the houses and the streets and the homes and stuff were hit with some kind of energy weapon, and that's what it is it's a directed energy weapon, and when you fire it at a location, it can destroy with great precision i mean it's like it's like your target goes through like a molecular decomposition now, it doesn't just burn it goes through like it decomposes on a, a molecular level you understand it there's no there's no storm that has ever done that in the history of mankind what you're looking at with a high degree of prob- probability is the the after effects of a directed energy being weapon, or uh, uh, weather modification technology or a related technology which now, you say, well, I don't, but then your friends say, I don't believe that. That's a conspiracy theory. There's no proof of that. To all of the comments of your friends and to all the fools who gathered together in the public square to deny the truth, let me just say this. The public, certifiable, document, document, documented research that I include in my books alone, not to mention books that are, you know, are written entirely on weather modification, but in my books alone, I have quoted some of the most Influential people in the world who would know the answer. And I'm quoting them. This is firsthand documentation giving a speech at the Council on Foreign Relations, and they are openly talking about the existence and the implementation of weather modification technology. And then you have the U.S. Army since 2005, it has been boasting in its weather modification programming. Uh, the slogan is. We will own the weather, we being the U.S. military, by 2025. So this is a, a tacit admission, at least, but an admission publicly that weather modification technology and directed energy weapons exist. So, so, you know, when I saw the pictures of what happened to Lahaina, it was obvious to me. We're talking about being zapped by, by a Tesla technology-style electromagnetic frequency blast which is normally thought of in terms of science fiction or science fiction technology or science fiction science. So you have all these strange coincidences in Maui. So, for example, many people survived by running away from Lahaina and running into the water and swimming out in the water where they were grounded and their lives were spared because they weren't, they weren't in proximity to a directed energy beam weapon, and they were also grounded. Now, but another strange thing happened. There were a lot of fairly large boats, and I think a lot of them were metallic boats, that were, you know, a couple of hundred yards at least out in the water. And some of them had, uh, you know, like walk metallic walkways that got you to them. Others didn't. And a fair percentage of these metallic bo- boats erupted into flames, even though they were in the middle of the water, somehow, because of, the metal connectivity all around these boats somehow the, the a freak occurred, and that is the directed energy being weapon uh, conducted its destructive EMF frequency uh, out to the boats, which caused them to explode in flames. So we see devastation, and then then I'm not going to get into all the weird stuff that's being suppressed, but there are reports, and let's just call them reports now. There were reports that people were told by local authorities, and and, and I'm going to call these alleged reports for now, alleged reports of of, uh, the inhabitants of Lahaina trying to flee Lahaina, or the people of Maui trying to flee Maui by by taking the the, the roadways to escape. And they were stopped, allegedly, by armed uh, law enforcement. That told them they could not leave this area. Now, that doesn't make any sense because if they continued to stay in the area of Lahaina, they would be vaporized by these directed energy beam weapons. So, so allegedly, if if this account is true, how is it that law enforcement—and by law enforcement, I don't know who we're talking about. Are we talking about sheriff? Are we talking about uh, federal law enforcement? Are we talking—I don't know who we're talking about. But somebody with guns got an order from high up that said, essentially, contain the people inside the Lahaina area, which means they would have burned to death. Now, just put that in the back of your mind and remember it when you need to, because you're going to need to remember this. Okay, let's just stop there for a minute. Uh, Okay, now. So the template of what happened in Maui was very personal to me because I did so much of research for my books. There's, there were numerous uh, uh, large Christian magazines and Christian TV stations that did news stories on my ministry, my New Age books, and uh, featured full-page pictures of me uh, sailing a sailboat in Maui, walking around Maui. And I'm looking for the rest of the pictures because I have a, I have really interesting pictures. But I'm going to start sending out the pictures I do have. And they ran full-page stories with full-page uh, – Frank Peretti was on the cover of one Charisma magazine. They were they were in a debate whether to have Frank Peretti or me on the front page of Charisma. And back then, Charisma run, ran, I don't know, somewhere between a half a million and a million copies. But I mean, they're, they're still huge. So. Um, Because Peretti's book, This Present Darkness, at the time, was was a mega bestseller. Uh, He got the the front page, which is fine. And then I got the, the, would be considered the, the second main page story, which was like three or four main pages in the magazine with full page, numerous main pages in the magazine, featured pictures of me driving the boat, not driving, but sailing the boat on Maui, pictures of me doing research on the New Age and stuff. And so millions of people saw this. So the pictures of Lahaina and Maui, because that's where we would get the boat, were, were just stuck in my head because I, I recognized so many things that were incinerated and burned, like this classic tree that was there It was, it was vaporized. Okay, so uh, it was haunting me. And so when I was processing the superstorms that were ripping up from Baja California, and I've also been down to Baja uh, doing research. Uh, and this was years ago and, uh, going up from Baja and, and then through LA and, you know, all the way up, going all the way up. I don't know how far it went up, but it easily entered Northern California. And okay. So this is what I wanted to, to to share with you. One of the spiritual principles that Dr. Jack Hayford, uh, perhaps my main spiritual father and my main spiritual mentor, and I was part of his ministry and, and It was Dr. Jack Hayford. He was the guy, the main guy, because he was so well-respected. His authority remained unchallenged. And normally, because I, I mean, my intellectual defense was impeccable. My theological defense and biblical defense was always impeccable. Jack Hayford knew that. But the difference between Pastor Jack's ministry and mine, even though we ministered for the same ministry, his ministry initially, was that I dealt with these confrontational subjects. because that's what the Lord told me to do. And so uh that makes you a target for the religious and denominational bureaucrats and and all the politicians who masquerade as pastors. They take shots at you and all the unknowns who take shots. At but I had a defense, like like I had this incredible defense in the voice and in the ministry and the stature of Dr. Jack Hayford, because he defended me, he endorsed me in my books and, and articles and inviting me to participate in the King's College and seminary as a professor, and just so many things. So the word got around really, really quickly in the Christian evangelical establishment. It can be very petty. It's not always this way, but it can be. The word got out that, you know, it wouldn't be really wise on your part to attack Paul McGuire because he's got a whole list of who's who, of highly respectable Christian leaders like Jack Hayford, Tim LaHaye, well, so Dr. G. James Kennedy, and so many others who totally back him and support him and authenticate. Him. So they left me alone, and then I just spoke even harder about the fact in love, but the fact that they were leading like wolves in sheep's clothing. They were leading God's bride, the body of Christ, into the arms of Babylon, and and the the ancient Babylonian uh, apostasy. So so you want a short version of what that means? God's ministers, god not all of them, but a percentage of God's ministers, people, seminaries, etc have been very active in, whether they know it or not, they've been very active in leading the sheep, in leading the flock of Jesus Christ into the illicit arms of Mystery Babylon, the great harlot. And what that means is that they have encouraged the body of Christ, both male and female, in a spiritual sense, to fornicate or have illicit sexual immorality immoral relationships with Mystery Babylon, the Great Harlot. So I confronted that by dealing with it wherever it would appear. Okay, so uh, one of the things that Jack Hayford taught me, Dr. Jack Hayford, was the importance of a man of God, a woman of God, a group of Christians, like-minded believers, your Bible study, your fellowship that you meet with, is to go to the high places in your area, which would be mountaintops, hills. Areas overlooking, like you'll see a picture of me that I put up regularly, uh, I'm, I'm overlooking Los Angeles City <clears throat> from a mountain. And to give you an idea of perspective, the mountain that I'm standing on, in terms of its height, it's higher than where the Hollywood sign is. But if you moved from the Hollywood sign and moved uh, uh, west, that would be near where I am standing. And praying, that was my prayer PowerPoint, where I would pray intercessory prayers over uh, the city and county of Los Angeles. And there was many other high points that I've stood at uh, all over this area. I'm not going to name a list. Just say that, that I've prayed from spiritual warfare points all over the high places. Okay? So you can see that picture of me. I'll put it up also. And... And Jack Hayford insisted that we needed to be intercessors, bleed the blood of Jesus over the areas we're praying for, to to function as a covering of sins and to shut down the demonic, the occult, Satanism, witchcraft, and all kinds of evil things by being an intercessory prayer warrior, invoking the blood of Jesus to cleanse us of all sin, and then through the cleansing of all sin by the blood of Jesus, establishing the authority of the kingdom of God over the location we're praying for. So that became a regular part of my life, even when I was in the Hollywood Hills, up on Lookout Mountain Avenue, across not that far away from where Timothy Leary lived, LSD prophet, where L. Ron Hubbard lived with science fiction author uh, Robert Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, science fiction writer, and L. Ron Hubbard was not only the founder of Scientology but science fiction writer. So I was up there, okay, and that is a very powerful demonic point. But I would go to the side of a mountain and pray down intercessory prayer over the area. And The territory that I prayed for included the geographic location of the Lookout Mountain Laboratory, which was allegedly one of the biggest film production laboratories in Los Angeles and Hollywood, 40s. But it was supposed to be allegedly a center of MK Ultra LSD, mind control programming, and propaganda social engineering film. I prayed, that that was the territory I prayed over, because I always felt that in terms of what branch of the armed services, I'm talking about Heaven's armed services I'm in, that I would be either in Heaven's PSYOPs department or Heaven's super soldier program, because I always felt that the Lord was flying me in through intercessory prayer. And that we would have to parachute into hostile locations, and we were the first ones in, and we had to establish the infrastructure for spiritual dominion. Okay, so let's go back to this massive superstorm ripping up the coast, potentially decimating my neighborhood, which it's almost done a bunch of times. And then, oh, so I felt led to pray, and I prayed, and I had prayed this prayer before. But I had a new urgency, a new fervency, a new a new uh, fire under my posterior. If you're offended by that, I apologize. But I would say it again Uh, to stress to you the not to be vulgar, but to use shock as a tool to stress the urgency for you and I to both be intercessory prayer warriors. See, the question is not am I being vulgar, although that might be a secondary question. The question is what was Paul McGuire's motivation in using that phraseology, and Paul McGuire's motivation was to, to stir up the body of Christ, to exhort the body of Christ to take their mandate as intercessory prayer warriors seriously. So, see, a lot of people judge my exterior. get in all kinds of trouble with God because they're not looking at my heart. God's looking at my heart. Okay, so I prayed intercessory prayer. I'd been praying for Maui and that whole area after the fact for quite a while. And then I prayed over my area, <clears throat> heavy-duty intercessory prayer, because I couldn't get the template of Maui out of my mind. And the fact that what went down in Maui actually went down was horrific. And so I can't—I I need to preface what I'm going to say by this. I am not saying theologically that if you pray to God in intercessory prayer or you pray to God in faith uh, over an area for protection, over your body for healing or whatever it is, If you're engaging in intercessory prayer warfare, God always answers prayer. God will always, on a percentage basis, move. The percentage number is his call. He's the supreme commander of heaven, heaven's armies. But God will always move, and he will always diminish or restrain or pull back or hammer down on the demonic powers if you will come boldly to the throne of grace and pray. The results are always up to him. So I'm never going to tell you, every time I pray for somebody, they're healed. I prayed for somebody the other day, and I was really torn up about whether I should pray. Because the problem when you pray for people, they confuse you with Jesus, and they think, well, I'm still sick because he, he me, Paul, he didn't have enough faith or whatever. No, that's not true. I knew when I had to pray for you, God commanded me to pray for somebody. So I called him up and prayed for them a healing. And I knew the whole time that I was praying that I had no inner witness that the Lord was guaranteeing me 100% that he was going to miraculously heal this person. I did not know. I was walking blind. But the results are up to God when you pray for a miracle or healing. So I prayed for this person's healing. I was very anointed, but I still did not have an inner witness saying they're healed or not healed. Well, it turns out they were healed, but they were healed not just with God zapping them. They were healed in conjunction with a medical procedure that has gone very, very well. So that's the healing. Doctors are healing. And to say they're not is like stupidity, because God, the Bible is holistic. You know, you have to have nutrition your immune system, and sometimes you go to doctors or whatever. It doesn't mean you have a lack of faith. So I knew when I was going to pray for this area, there's a risk. You could pray for this area. I believe God—listen, I know God performs miracles. I have seen so many outrageous miracles so far beyond my level of faith happen in people's lives that I've prayed for over the decades. Dramatic cancers being healed. People at death's door being healed. Uh, uh, demons coming. I mean, just just dunamis, dynamite, power, answers to prayer. But I've also prayed, and I have not seen those dunamis, dynamite, answers to prayer. The point is, the results are up to God. I stay faithful. I continue to pray. So with the same intensity that that Maui memories and Lahaina stirred up in me, I began to pray. So I prayed over the the geographic area. I prayed over my neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods. I prayed for my neighbors. I always plead the blood of Jesus over what I'm praying for so that no sin, no crime, no occult, no no spirits of darkness can uh, interfere with the prayer because any sin that could have opened a portal For demonic power to have a controlling factor, I deal with that sin by pleading the blood of Jesus to cleanse all sin over an area or a person I'm praying for. And then then God always tells me to take authority over the storm by name. So I took authority over the storm, Hillary. I took authority over the storm, and I bound the power of the storm. And I commanded the storm to completely dissipate and stop harming my neighborhood, other people's neighborhoods. And And exit as fast as possible in a harmless way, now that's always a nerve-wracking prayer because it's possible everything could be worse in the morning, but i God tells me to pray, I obey him well, ironically, we, we get up in the morning, and there's no sound of rain, uh, storm at least in the areas that I pray for, picked up and veered off somewhere, all which I consider to be miraculous now. I am not saying even remotely or inferring even remotely that people who died, people whose houses, property, cars, homes got burned up, flooded, or whatever, people who suffered horrifically, lost their businesses and everything else, I am not saying even, even inferring in the, in the most remote sense that that's because they had sin in their lives or they didn't break hard enough or, or God was teaching them a lesson or they had unconfessed sin in their lives. No, 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 no. That is condemnation from the devil. Those are lies of the devil. Those are lies of the devil. So understand, I rejoice for where God answered prayer, but God did not desert the people who, who apparently suffered great external damage. I remember I was sending an email about this. There was a little communication email between me and uh, David Hawking, the famous Bible uh, teacher and author. Was very part a vital part of the Calvary Chapel movement, and I was sent a text, an email to David Hawking talking about, you know, I believe in God for healing or believing God for healing for other people. But David, his theology is more conservative. But iron sharpens iron, and I was thankful for David's comment to me. He replied in email. He quoted, "My grace is sufficient for thee," where that was David's way of telling me that. Even though people may continue to battle physical health pro- pro- problems, even though physical sicknesses don't always go miraculously away, and even though other prayers that we pray are not always, quote, miraculously answered, what David was stressing to me was the whole counsel of truth in the Bible, which says, my grace for unmerited favor is sufficient for thee. So what God is saying is, I'll either heal you supernaturally. Or I will supernaturally give you the grace to be an overcomer and give you the grace to go through the trial of sickness or whatever trial, you know, damaged property or whatever. So in either case, now please listen to me, in either case, don't give in to the temptation that God has deserted you. He has not deserted you, whether you've got uh, a flamboyant supernatural prayer or, or you've got what look like bad things. But remember, God's grace is sufficient for thee. So I continued to pray. And so when we got up, mysteriously, when we looked at the weather map, in our location of where I had prayed, that was in a different color. And when we woke up, the impact of the storm had been removed from the location, the geographic areas that I prayed for. Now, again, I'm not conferring anything negative or non-spiritual to my brothers and sisters who, who you know, didn't have that. Because in my own life... And and the job of, of, of a minister in Jesus Christ is to be truthful and humble, not to lie. So there are times I've been healed of sickness, there's been times my grace is sufficient for thee. There's been times I, I've been miraculously blessed, there's been times I've been given the power to endure, the power to uh, of long suffering, the power of being strong. In other words, what I'm telling you is many, many times in Paul McGuire's life, in season and out of season, because I'm called to do the work of an evangelist, a prophetic ministry. Uh, a Bible-teaching ministry, and and that ministry calling is to be done in season and out of season. I'm supposed to be faithful. So that means it's not going to all be going my way. I'm going to have to be obedient even in times of resistance. But here's the point. I believe with all my heart that the Spirit of God, if if you are sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I believe you could hear with me right now the trumpet blast of the Holy Spirit. And I think of my spiritual father, Dr. Jack Hayford of Church on the Way, who went home to be with the Lord uh, recently. And he was very, very old and lived a long time and a healthy time. But I remember his words about his father, his spiritual fatherly words about the need to pray from the high places and find the works of darkness attempting to operate in our geographic locations. So I want you to hear I believe which was a legitimate prophetic word from the Lord from Pastor Jack Hayford. I want to pass it on to you years later. Let me start with my own words. The seasons that we're in are different than any other time of seasons you and I have ever faced before. We are now in the last days. The old-fashioned, you know, application of the Bible is not going to cut it in a last days battle, and the Lord is reminding all of us, myself included. He's saying, brothers and sisters, the Lord is literally saying to us now, brothers and sisters, my children, hear the voice of the Lord. So God is calling us to hear his voice, and the Lord is saying, the time that you are in is like no other time before in history. Therefore, I am calling you to obey my commandments for your life, and the Lord would say to you that." many, many uh, calamities, much destruction in terms of fires and flooding and murders and strange events. The Lord is saying to you, many of these things can be bound, in other words, stopped, in other words, locked up by using my authority in the name of Jesus Christ. It is not the call of my children and my leaders to to get up on the mountaintops and speak fear. I am calling you to go to the mountaintop. to, to engage as intercessory prayer warriors. And to the degree the Lord says that you are faithful in being intercessory prayer warriors from the high places, the Lord is saying to you now, to the degree that you are operating in faithfulness with that area is to the degree that I will restrain the advances of evil in your geographic area. I will pull back the fires. I will cease the floodings. I will crush the demonic powers. I will arrest and apprehend sociopaths, psychopaths, demon-possessed people. I will purge the wicked out of your institutional forms of government, and I will purge the evil, like sex trafficking and many other things, out of your geographic location, says the Lord. But what you must do to initiate the catalysts of my supernatural power descending upon your communities, your homes, your geographic locations, your family, your children— uh, your your loved ones. What you must do to ignite all of this, says the Lord, is you must come boldly to the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, and then you must obey me by literally going to the high places and praying over, praying over, praying over your cities and towns and villages. And the Lord said, if you are faithful to pray a believing prayer and intercession, and if you will be willing to trust the results and leave it up to me, says the Lord, I promise you this, says the Lord, You will see, says God, a significant statistical diminishing of the powers of destruction, of the powers of the demonic, of the powers of of, of hostile weather, and any other uh, demonic power that's attacking you and your loved ones or your communities. You will see with your own eyes, says the Lord, a measurable statistical percentage reduction in the magnitude of evil. In fact, says the Lord, you will see it shrink statistically you will th- see it fade statistically, and you will see it opposed, crushed, and destroyed, says the Lord. And the Lord would say one other thing to you. If you do not engage in this kind of prayer, you are literally leaving the door open for the devil and the devil's priests to destroy your wives, your loved ones, your children, your husbands, etc., etc. So the Lord is saying, hear the word of the faithful watchman. Hear the blowing of the shofar. Can you not hear the shofar blowing in the distance says the lord And then I feel led to repeat that to you to repeat that refrain Do you not hear the the trumpet of the lord of the watchman on the wall Do you not hear his trumpet in the distance Why do you hear very faintly in the distance the trumpet from the watchman on the wall the shofar How is it that you hear the warning of the trumpet way off in the distance. And the Lord said, the reason you hear the trumpet way off in the distance, says the Lord, is because I have anointed your ears to hear so that you might hear what you couldn't normally hear, says the Lord. And then the Lord is saying to you personally, I've given you great power when I gave you power from on high, and I gave you the authority of my word. I am calling you to blow the, the shofar, to blow the trumpet of warning." The reason you hear it in the distance is because in the distance, the demonic armies, the principalities and powers, the wicked, satanic men and women, along with their organizational structures, they are under the cover of night organizing for their dark purposes. Hear me, says the Lord. Hear me, says the Lord. This is not, uh, you're not being manipulated with, with uh, uh, emotionally stirred up paranoia, says the Lord. The Lord's saying, I am trying to prevent calamity and destruction in your life. So the reason you can hear way off in the distance is because their organization is being done way off in the distance, and they are gathering their resources. They are mapping out their strategies. Now hear me, says the Lord. Their intention and their strategy and their purpose is to destroy you, your children, the church, and your families, and to ultimately destroy this nation, says the Lord. But the Lord is saying to you, if you will obey me and blow the trumpet and blow the shofar and take the authority that I've given you and pray in dominion over the geographic territory in which you live, the Lord says you will see a massive statistical turnaround in the number of victories for battle, says the Lord. So the Lord wants you to rejoice in that reality. So as I began to pray, I I felt a new anointing come upon me, and the power of God came upon me. And the sign was, things had measurably changed. Now again, just because I pray or you pray doesn't always mean things will measurably change. Sometimes they get worse. And so we have to persevere in prayer in season and out of season. That's the point. So what the Lord reminded me through Jack Hayford and what he'd been dealing with in my life is that wherever you live in the world listening to the Paul McGuire Report, you need to send this program to somebody else with a little hint about why they need to listen to it. Whatever you need to understand is that we have come, the Lord has allowed us to enter a season where our survival, our life and death, and that of our family, our nation, our community, our food, our protection, and everything else is contingent upon whether or not we're we're ready to flat out obey the Lord in intercessory prayer. And so I felt this this oppression leave me. I felt this supernatural joy come upon me the day that the massive weather storms were mounting their their highest level storm categories. And uh, let me just share this. I have had that supernatural burden of the Lord come upon me numerous times. Not just in the areas of fires, but that's been a big area, or storms, or earthquakes and earthquakes. I've lived through several massive earthquakes, uh, several, and my house was on the epicenter. That means like the, the most, the most dangerous place in an earthquake is the epicenter. And for the uh, uh, Northridge earthquake, had a dual epicenter, and one was right below my house. So, but we pray, we prayed and the Lord redeemed it. My house almost collapsed, but it stood. Some neighbor's houses split in two. Okay, but then there's other areas. Now, this is a, 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 a bypass principle I want to share. If you will take the time to discipline yourself and to develop the spiritual gift of listening to the Lord when he speaks to you, not just ignoring him, if you will develop the gift of listening to the Lord when he speaks to you, you will find that the Lord will... The Lord will 100% guarantee in your life a continual upward growth where you're going to continually hear the voice of the Lord warning you and instructing you with ever-increasing accuracy. In other words, you're going to grow and become incredibly mind-blowing accurate in hearing the voice of the Lord, in and hearing His plans, and then implementing them but but there's a secret to the release of this power in your life so this is the secret if you violate this secret you will not grow in that gifting of walking with the lord and receiving from him okay there's no shortcut you want shortcuts you know go to crispy cream donuts which are outrageously good but be prepared to have a couple of calorie gain okay so so um the, the critical thing is the more And you don't have to be perfect because you have the blood of Jesus. The more you walk with the Lord, the more you will get familiar with him. The more you you walk with the Lord, the closer and tighter you'll get with the Lord. This is not rocket scientists. If you want to know God and hear his secrets and hear his secret counsel and plans, do you want that? Of course you do. So here's the ticket in. Here's your ticket to ride, as Paul McCartney said. The Beagle. Your ticket to ride is... The more you hang out one-on-one with Jesus, the tighter you're going to be. The tighter you're going to be, he's not going to hold stuff back from you because you're in his inner circle, because you chose to be. It's that simple. So you you hang out with the Lord, and he embeds in you his wisdom and, and, and direction and guidance. And so what you find is your capacity to hear the voice of the Lord of God, your capacity to receive his detailed plans of deliverance, escape prosperity or whatever will be released in you. You will have a cutting edge advantage because you have developed the discipline and habit of walking tight with the Lord. Now so what happens is it's not whether a problem or challenge is not whether related. I, I have to be very careful how I tell the story. So no upfront, I am disguising the name the names of people, the names of locations, and no, you think you're gonna guess that you know who this person is. You don't. And I have to do that to protect myself. Okay, so, we, hanging on, not hanging on, being disciple of Jack Hayford's church uh, and uh, walking in the intimate relationship with the Lord. As the years went on, Chris's ability, my ability to discern and hear the Lord and, and, and understand his downloads, it starts to grow as a powerful spiritual gift. So, one day, something came upon us. This is when we were living... Uh, um, outside of Manhattan, outside of the boroughs, in kind of a kind of a cool cabin area towards the Adirondacks, okay? And cool because there was a lot of like screenplay writers and sci fi writers and all kinds of interesting people that lived uh in this uh, Adirondack Mountain type area in upper New York State. So what happened was there were were over the past like five years or six years, I don't know, a long time, there were, uh, they thought a serial killer had been breaking into houses over the last six years and killing uh, any of the residents in the houses after they broke in uh, and killing them. Okay. Now, it was also thought that the, the, the person doing this, the motivation was that he was killing the people that lived in the house uh, as part of a satanic ritual because uh, they believed that he was a practicing Satanist and believed in human blood sacrifice. Okay, so, I mean, I'm aware of that, but that's far, far away in my mind because the only stories I remember reading of uh, of this uh, satanic uh, serial killer, mass murderer, uh, took place on the uh, West Coast, but then again, a guy who wrote the radio station, the producer I had, was the guy. What was his name? You'd all know his name. He became a born again Christian when he was demon possessed. He was hearing voices telling him to murder people, which he now knows was Satan. And I can't remember his name. You'll know his name. It's a household word. I mean, I hate to say that, but it is. Okay, so he. Committed his murders in the East Coast. Okay, so this, uh, uh, I don't know how high level Satanist, um, would conduct various satanic rituals and he would murder the people in any given residence um, all over uh, in different states, but especially he had zeroed in uh up in in New York State, because New York State is a weird uh you know there's the Adirondacks, but there's also where Woodstock was the Woodstock rock festival brought in a lot of occult there are a lot of occult people in in you know the in the cabin area, the country area you know of uh, upper New York State a lot of artists sculptors writers. People like Whitley Strieber, who wrote all the firsthand accounts where he alleges he was uh, picked up by a UFO. He wrote Communion, which was turned into a feature film, and starred Christopher Walken, the actor. He lived up there. So there's a lot of occult activity out there. So when this Satanist felt that the, the demonic powers, or whatever he called them, were leading him to kill and sacrifice the people in the house, then... He used a number of qualifiers, and if they met his occultic qualifications, then at some point in the future, not necessarily immediately because it seems like he mapped out his his strike attack, he would murder the people in the house in, in a horrific way. okay, I'm not paying attention to this at all; I'm aware of it as something that happened like four years ago. now this is going back a long time ago, so this whole thing happened a long time ago and and I hadn't thought about it for years at the time, okay, so it wasn't in my in my mind, even when certain things happen, so all of a sudden, Chris and I were both in deep intercessory prayer warfare, just like we were up in Lookout of Mountain Avenue, and we began to very first, unnoticeably, very first, very subtly, very first, just kind of like like a like a little bit of microscopic smoke coming under the door, but you can't really smell it, and all of a sudden, there's this. Like pinpoints of oppression in our home and around our home. Not really in our marriage, but it's like there's this darkness that is starting to cover the exterior of our home spiritually. And, you know, we always prayed for the home, intense spiritual warfare in our lives. I've always done that since before Jack Hayford, when I was ministering at the Lance Club. So this is just like, you know, you're in the Marines, you take care of disciplines you do, This is basic training disciplines carried on to the future. So, But I noticed that usually just the the spiritual warfares and the claiming of God's protection bind all demonic activities, or they dissipate. But as I prayed these prayers, I noticed that, because it was subtle, the whole thing was subtle. And remember, the devil attacked Eve by using his wiles and subtleties. Never forget that. So then, through the wiles and subtleties of the devil, I began to experience this this darkness and oppression that had, had become quite strong. In fact, the the satanic darkness and the satanic evil and the sense of foreboding in the in the spiritual atmosphere and in the geographic area of where we lived had now increased in an ever increasing intensity so that there's no way, a Bible-believing Christian walking with Jesus, there's no way you could have come onto our property or in our house and not have felt this dark, dark, oppressive blanket of some kind of satanic activity. So, okay, so now it's starting to, you know, when when God allows you to experience that, you get into battle-ready mode, spiritual battle-ready mode. So you begin to fast, you pray, you renew your mind with the Word, you worship God, you Go into intense intercessory prayer of your family and loved ones and house and the neighborhood. You walk around the neighborhood. Okay. So as time's going on, I realize I this is not just your typical spiritual warfare prayer. This I'm dealing with with some kind of demon or fallen angel or demon possessed person or something on a far higher level and a far more powerful level. That that is like being broadcast into my inner man by the Lord. It's like the Lord is saying, Paul, you need to wake up now. You've been a little bit asleep. This is, you are about ready to, you know, you are in a very, very life and death spiritual struggle, the Lord said to me. And and he said it with the sting of a rebuke in it. He said, you need to step up your game and you need to do it quickly. So I listened to the Lord and I began praying, binding and loosing and fasting and breaking the powers of darkness. I'm doing now targeted spiritual warfare against witchcraft, the occult, Satanism spells, uh, uh, human things, technological things. I am waging war. But now, as I sense in my spirit, man, as I'm waging war, the level of confrontation and the sense uh, that this dark being is out there is increasing in its manifestation. So in other words, it's like I'm becoming increasingly aware of his demonic presence uh, and his demonic plans, although I don't at this point specifically know what they are. But but his presence is growing in noticeability and strength. So now I do what I often do, which is I, the Lord will download in me a battle plan. And the battle plans that the Lord has given me for many decades in my life are usually battle plans that consist of basic, nitty-gritty, strategic, deception, maneuvering, Manipulating circumstances. In other words, I will I will plunge into a full-blown psyop war, spiritual psyop war. I will use all my mental faculties to their maximum so that I am now engaging my enemy or my opponent on multiple levels. I'm fighting him on all the spiritual levels, utilizing spiritual warfare, but I am also using the mind of Christ. And as God leads me, I am employing strategic, street fighting, propaganda, all these secret techniques that the Lord began embedding in my personality from a very young boy growing up in Jackson Heights, Queens, where there were many times, you know, tougher gang kids and stuff. They would have killed me. I mean, you know, places I I should have been dead many times. But the Lord began to, over the years, download in my personality a kind of a unique, Form of spiritual psychological operations, slash karate or jujitsu or something like that. And so I had this instinctual understanding of how to uh, manipulate symbols and circumstances and locations to create a strike force that would defeat and paralyze my enemy in the event I would be fighting an enemy at this time. I think things have changed, but at this time, you know, we didn't have guns. At this time, we. We were, it was just all prayer. That's out of balance. You need practicality as well as prayer. So, um, what happened was, um, I'm, now, I'm now, this is what I'm doing. You're going to think it's crazy, but I have done this in multiple locations over 40 years. And I, I can name to you, with certainty, circumstances where I was not slaughtered, massacred, and killed in robberies, in break ins, in being in dangerous environments. And how I survived and defeated our enemies time after time, the Lord would give me a supernatural battle plan. And I didn't question him, I just did it. So now I'm, I'm using psychological operations to freak this satanic terrorist out at all times of the night, because I'm always aware this, this is his presence. That you, we both have this acute sense of somebody was watching our every move, and it never left. So I'm aware of all this. And I'm starting to do strategically weird things like jumping into my car, which is parked in the alleyway, but it gives me enough time in the alleyway to ramp up to like 50, 60 miles an hour burning rubber. And I know this Satanist is out there, see, because I can feel it. And so I drive at 50 to 60 miles an hour in a small car so I can maneuver. And I'm moving in his direction, but I can't see where he is. But I keep doing this every night that I sense his appearance. At a moment of my choosing, a strategic moment, I will employ psychological maneuvers of driving the car, flipping the head beams on, off and on. Yeah, being the kind of neighbor you probably hate as I hit the horns full blast, driving in, in, uh, in a manner that was so so like crazy town, designed to, to communicate a message to this guy is that, that I'm crazy and I'm coming to get him. So, so this is a war going on, and I still feel the presence. Then, okay, then I know I'm in a battle. I know we're protected, but and I'm driving in different ways. I'm, I'm leaving decoys. I have cameras and video to trap him. I mean, i got a full-scale operation going on. And so um, school must have been out or some community meeting or whatever. As I'm looking out the windows of our house, I see people walking, and they all look kind of dressed up, like people who came from work, whatever. It's unusually crowded. There's probably 25 people on, on the end of the street where I am with my house. But I'm also aware that that Satanist is mixed in with the crowd. I can just feel it. Okay? So, so I do my invisible walk, which is something that I've taught myself. And that is you can walk, but most of the time, if you walk with certain body language and rhythm, the military and psyops learns this. You can walk in such a way that you have like an invisibility cloak around you, that's an exact term used by the military, certain branches, so I'm walking uh in the direction of all the people, and I'm mixing with the people but but I'm doing it in a way which their perception of me is that I'm not even there i'm un- I, you don't notice me. I'm invisible, and you it's not guaranteed, but you can develop techniques to become invisible and yet stand a bunch of bunch of people. So I'm walking around invisibly, again, which is a practice discipline, and the Lord, which he does this all the time, he supernaturally enhances my vision and my perception beyond what it normally works at. So all of a sudden, as I'm invisibly walking around all these people, I see ahead of me in the far left corner, I see what? My mind knows is his presence, and all I can really see is that he's male, and and a minimum of about 40 years old, above average to height. So I see him, but I can't see him clearly. But in my inner man, I know that I know that I know that that is the Satanist who is killing people. I know it. You know what I'm saying? So I I continue to walk in that invisible-like manner. In, In the meantime, my eyes, he doesn't know it because I'm not even looking at him, but my eyes are watching him very carefully without revealing that. I don't even send out the EMF that normally occurs with that, because if you stare at somebody like in a supermarket, they're going to turn around and look at you. The very fact that you were paying attention to them generates an EMF signal, which they pick up, which takes you out of hiding. You have to learn how you can focus in on somebody and pay attention to somebody while at the same time not generating an electromagnetic frequency which gives your existence away. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So then, as the people start moving up towards the hills from whatever they were coming from, I see there's two people in front of me, but I see the reappearance of the Satanist. I can't see him closely, but I, for like one nanosecond, we locked eyes. In In that one nanosecond that we locked eyes, time slowed down. And his persona, his physical countenance, it just locked into me. And it's like radar. And I said, this is it. This is him. There was no doubt whatsoever. What I said to myself is, this is it. This is him. It ends now. So I very carefully continued to walk again in an invisible manner. And then as my eyes lock on him and I can see the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, In in a manner of a nanosecond or two, at that time, I was very, very fast. I can't can't say that I could do that now, but back then I could. Um, I just instantly broke for him and began running at him as fast as I humanly could, like like a machine, like like, like some kind of jungle animal, like a tiger or a mountain lion, whatever. Just raw adrenaline, mental power of survival. The power of the Holy Spirit and righteous indignation which ricocheted over my head and said, how dare you, you blank, 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 and you servant of Satan, how dare you come near a man of God and his home, how dare you? And then I threatened him in the spirit, and I'm going to send you home in the authority of Christ now, and then I am moving like everything in me, and he. I now I see fear registering up his eyes. So the guy who has been intimidating and terrifying everybody, he has a mental change. I see fear, stark, cold fear run through his eyes. And that tells me on a primal jungle level that he is mine, that the battle is over. The prayers have finally been answered. And so I'm, I'm, I'm closing in. I'm just probably, I don't know, I would say seven, eight feet to six feet from him. And I'm closing in fast because there's nobody behind me. But as I'm rounding that turn, and and that was like a half a second of a partial blank spot, he is gone. Now, he obviously had a lot of practice in maneuvering, hiding in plain sight, sneaking around. And God knows what occult powers he was summoning. But he disappeared. Now, after that day, we never felt that sense of satanic oppression hovering over our house or our neighborhood it was like from that day forward when i locked eyes on him the lord communicated to him that he he don't go there and so i never experienced the oppression he was gone so so a number of years went by and i think eventually he got arrested or killed i don't know. but a number of years went by and um uh, they, they were doing a news report on him, and I don't know if this was whether he died or was still alive and and they got in this you know news documentary TV documentary they told a bigger story of him and how he would search out houses to you know following the directions of demons and then killing innocent people just for pure pleasure and then you know other dark satanic stuff and so um, um, I, we never felt his presence again, but in one of the television specials that was doing an expose on him, the television special revealed what some of the signals he was looking for in a neighborhood, a house, or victims. And I don't want to even come near to giving you, if he saw these signals, he interpreted these signals as messages to him from Satan that he was supposed to murder the occupants of this particular house. And when I heard the news station or the documentary people give out exactly what those statistics were that were the green light for him to come and murder people i think most I don't, I don't i don't know if it was all but most of the major signals that functioned as a green light to get this satanic serial killer mass murderer to kill people in the house those things were in the neighborhood i lived in nobody knew what they were in the neighborhood i, I lived in and so There was enough of this stuff that was peculiarly related to him that told me in my inner man that, Paul, you didn't imagine anything that happened. That spiritual battle was as real as real. And if you had not fought that battle spiritually and practically, the fact of the matter is you would probably and other people in your family would be dead. So I don't believe it's an accident I'm sharing this to you. You can just blow it off and go your merry way. But I believe there are things we need to do to secure God's supernatural protection, whether it's directed energy weapons, Satanists. God knows what else is going to be coming our way in in this last day's battle. We're going to fill you in on more on that. I need you to stand with me. We are in a battle. This truth drives the evil one back. I need you to stand with me. I need you to pray for me, the people in the ministry, my family. And I need you to ask God, how much should I give in terms of a donation, financial contribution, or gift? Paul McGuire Ministries in Paradise Mountain Church. And whatever the Lord tells you to give in his still small voice, simply obey him and give it. Then pray for me, my family, those people associated with the ministry, for God's supernatural protection, favor, and blessing. I thank you for that. Uh, Anointing that we will accomplish our goals of reaching people and transforming people. And finally, I ask for your help. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your donations and contributions, and thank you for your help. Uh, and help, I mean, you have gone to our various social media sites, you have signed on, that you like the page, that you you follow the page, uh, that you've signed up for our eblast list, you've signed up for our various social media outlets. So thank you, thank you, thank you, because every one of you who did that Okay? Every one of you did that, just all by your individual selves. You made a significant difference. You know what you did? You literally broke, to a large degree, their body war against me. The body war is when they electronically lie and electronically manufacture falsehoods about how many people are watching you, following you, liking you, joining your e-blast. And the more they can artificially diminish you and make you appear to be inconsequential, then they have defeated you from the sense of psyops, and yes, they call it psyops, and yes, they play that dirty. So all of you that signed up to the eblast list, signed up to my social media, liked, fo- decided to follow it. You've created a momentum out there, and it's forcing them. See, it comes attention comes to the attention of other bots and algorithms. It's forcing them. It's like shining a light in the darkness or shining a light in the basement where a bunch of rats are. They can't operate in their rat-like Hiding, because we're shining the light on, on the dirtiness. Okay, even the ones you think that aren't so dirty. So I need your help to continually do that. Every, look, I do that. I do that and did that for other people for forty. De- oh, no, not For however long the internet's been around, I joined. I liked. I followed. I, I let it be known electronically that that I I read, watched the videos, listened to the program, and and that would help the person that that was feeding me and instructing me. It would help them defeat the rigging so he or she would get a fair shot at, at getting the big exposure. Notice how they cherry-pick the people to expose who, who have the least important things to say. Think about that sometime. Anyway, God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Take advantage of our discounts. You can donate securely, emphasize secure, at paulmcguire.us. You can donate, uh, contribute electronically and then help, it, help us by educating people. Together, we're going to turn this nation around. Are you with me? you got to invest in people who have a vision to do something big. And uh, my track record has repeatedly demonstrated that we are capable of doing something very big that has national and international uh, influence. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.